Hello to everyone here in person or joining us online. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. Please hear our call to worship. Holy God, you call us together to reflect on your word and our life in your world. Be with us now as we sing and pray together that we may hear your voice and understand your way. This we pray through Jesus the Christ. Amen. As we gather here today, we are mindful that we live and worship on and near the homelands and waters of the Menominee, Potawatomi, Ho-Chunk, Fox, Miskouin, Sauk, and Ojibwe nations who have known these lands and waters for millennia and whose descendants alongside many other tribal nation members remain our hosts. May we seek to live into right relations with our indigenous neighbors and, of, and all of creation. All right, fifth Sunday of Lent. Just a reminder about our Lenten um, visuals here. We are exploring we are exploring what it means to be authentically human as God created us, which requires us to go back to what God hoped for us at creation. The original covenant made God made with us, Deuteronomy 5. Loving the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and strength. So heart, soul, strength. Kind of like Adeline Lila, what we talked about today. Heart, might, what was the other one? Heart, soul, might? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jesus added, love your neighbor as yourself, so drawing that circle wider. Um, so again, the concentric rings. And we can also think of the Trinity. We can also think of our journey through Advent, broken and being restored. Um, this was our Advent quilt. Um, We're still broken, still rough around the edges, needing mending, um, and through this time of Lent, we are going to use story, we, are, we are continuing to use stories um, about how belief transforms us into new way, a new way of being human. Today, we explore stories, um, and in these two stories, we explore the one who erases death, who makes even the driest bones live. We explore how we hold faith that God will bring life from death even when we're struggling, even when we don't feel God's presence, even when we don't see God acting to save us. Let's sing this spirit uh, by turning in our hymnal worship book to 377. If you're able, please stand. New earth, heavens new. And as we sing, notice all of the new things that we are calling out, singing out to God to help us with. Thank you. 
Stay standing and turn to 644, Healer of Our Every Ill. Spirit of our comfort, fill our hearts. Healer of our every ill, light of each tomorrow, give us peace beyond our fear and hope beyond our sorrow. In the pain and joy, beholding how your grace is still unfolding, Spirit of our kindness, be our guide. Healer. 
all your way of healing spirit of compassion fill our heart healer of our every ill light of each tomorrow give us peace beyond our fear and hope Join me in a time of confession and reconciliation. This is printed in the bulletin, right? Yeah, okay. Pray with me. Lord, our lives are dry bones. We are cruel in our words and indifferent in our actions. We confess to you. Breathe on us, Lord. Put your spirit within us and make us alive. We place our hope in you. Amen. Voices together, 337. Breathe on me, breath of God.
All right, for hearing scripture today, I've got a couple of readers who are going to be very helpful, Jenny and Lila and Laura. Thank you ahead of time. And I don't know what order we have, but go for it. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. This is a prophecy of the Jews' return from captivity to their own land, of the union of the tribes with one another, and of the glorious kingdom of Christ among them. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and and you shall live. I will... Lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to breath, prophecy mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and upon these slain, and that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, are these bones the whole house of Israel? Then say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. Are we caught off completely? Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you from your graves, O my people, and I shall bring you back from the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you from your graves, O my people, I will put the Spirit within you, and you shall live in the place, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and I will act, says the Lord. John 11, 1 through 45. (laughs) Paraphrased. (laughs) This is the story of Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus. His sisters, Mary and Martha, were also devout followers of the Lord. So when Lazarus was ill, 
they called to Jesus, asking him to come and heal Lazarus. But Jesus waited. After a couple days, he told the disciples he was going to Bethany. Now Bethany was only two miles from Jerusalem, where there were Jews who wanted to kill Jesus. The disciples felt it was dangerous to go there, but Jesus was not afraid. He knew that God would protect him if he did the Father's will. When Jesus arrived, Martha met him on the road. She told Jesus Lazarus wouldn't have died if he had come sooner. But she also added that she still believed the Father would do anything Jesus asked of him. Her faith was very strong. Jesus and Lazarus would live, Jesus said Lazarus would live again. Martha replied that she knew he would rise again on the last day. Jesus answered, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha said yes. She believed Jesus was the Messiah. Then Martha went back and sent Mary to Jesus. She also told Jesus that Lazarus would not have died if he had come sooner. The other Jews gathered around and wondered why this great healer didn't heal his good friend. Jesus was greatly upset and asked to be shown where Lazarus lay. He told them to take away the big stone that blocked the tomb. Martha protested that it was so late the body would be decaying badly. But Jesus reminded her of the glory of God. Jesus thanked the Lord for answering his prayer so that the crowd would believe God sent him. And he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And he came out of the tomb, still wrapped in the burial clothes. Hey, everyone. My name's Amy. I'm going to be um, reflecting on the readings today. It's possible to look at both the Old Testament and Gospel readings today as stories of resurrection, affirmation of God's power to give life to those who have died. We might look at these stories as a preview of coming attractions, the ways that the prophetic tradition and the life of Jesus affirmed God's power over life and death ahead of Jesus' resurrection. And that is where the stories end. Dry bones are covered in living flesh and given life by the breath of God. A man who was dead and buried for four days walks out of the tomb. The prophetic vision and the experience of Lazarus, in this prophetic vision and in the experience of Lazarus, were given a window into God's coming victory over death in the resurrections of Jesus. That is where these stories end. But that's not where the stories begin. The Ezekiel reading begins in a valley covered in dry, lifeless bones of people slain by those who conquered and oppressed them. God shows Ezekiel this vision and asks Ezekiel if these bones can live again. Ezekiel's response is usually translated something like, oh Lord, you know, or Lord God, only you can answer that. I wonder though about the tone of Ezekiel's response, the feeling behind these words. Perhaps his response was a pious affirmation that if God willed it, these bones would in fact live again. 
But I wonder if there might have been some other things there too. Maybe some annoyance at being shown such a bleak vision and asking and being asked such a nonsense question. I wonder if there was suspicion. Experience and common sense says obviously they can't live again, but why are you asking? Are you gonna try and tell me that they can live? Perhaps there was even some sarcasm or anger. What, you're gonna act now to give life to these bones when you were unable or unwilling to save them from death in the first place? But regardless of what Ezekiel might have been thinking and feeling when asked if the dried bones could live, the setting of the beginning of the story remains the same. It begins after all hope is gone. The gospel story begins with the news that Lazarus of Bethany, a dear friend of Jesus, has fallen ill. Certainly difficult news, but there still seems to be some hope that Lazarus might recover, especially if Jesus would hurry up and act to heal his friend. At first, Jesus seems to delay going to Bethany mostly because he just assumes the illness probably isn't that serious, um, you know, maybe he has plenty of time to make the journey. Um, but then when Jesus decide, declares his intention to go to Bethany um, in Judea, the disciples balk at him because there are people in Judea who are trying to kill him. Kill him. So there's also this you know, kind of sense that Jesus was having to make this choice between facing danger, facing danger to his person and to his friends to save this other friend and this, the difficult realities of the situation that Jesus is in. Um, you know, and so when he leaves, and th this wasn't in the text that, um, this, the, um, the paraphrase that, that Jenny read, but it was like, his disciples conclude like, okay, well, we will go and die with him. And they're very dramatic because they're the disciples and that's what they do. Um, but, you know, there's the sense of this, you know, this, this situation where there's all of this kind of danger on every side. Um, so by the time, oh, so, um, Anyway, well, well, Jesus was waiting. Um, well, they were waiting for Jesus. Um, I wonder what Mary and Martha felt as they sit at their, sat at their brother's bedside. This is life drained away. Desperately wishing that Jesus would come because they'd seen Jesus' power to heal. Perhaps understanding the danger that Jesus might face were he to travel to Bethany. Perhaps deeply disappointed that Jesus would heal countless strangers wouldn't hurry to save a beloved friend, even if it meant facing his adversaries. I wonder what they thought as Lazarus took his final breaths and Jesus still didn't arrive. We hear that both Martha and Mary believed that Jesus could have healed their brother. They both greet Jesus saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, Martha follows this by saying, yet even now I know that God will do anything that you ask. And we hear Jesus have this little discourse with Martha. You know, he assures her that Lazarus will live again and challenges her to affirm her faith that those who trust in Jesus will live even though they die. But we don't get that with Mary. Mary just states that her brother wouldn't have died if Jesus were there. She does not go on to echo her sister's affirmation that her brother will live again. And Jesus doesn't challenge her to declare her faith in that Jesus was the one that they'd been hoping for. 
the text says that he sees how upset Mary and the others, see how upset Mary is as well as the others who are present. And he immediately asks where the body of Lazarus was laid. The difference in his interaction with the two sisters seems noteworthy to me. Martha expresses her faith that Jesus could still help her brother. And Jesus seems to take this as a teaching moment, you know, asserting that he's the one who raises the dead to life. He's the resurrection and the life. And, you know, asking Martha if he believes, if she believes. But Mary is, seems clearly, is clearly upset, and I think she sounds pretty accusatory, just saying, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But we don't hear Jesus offer Mary any teaching and he doesn't act, ask her to confirm her continued faith in him. In the face of Mary's desolation, Jesus doesn't challenge her or ask her to trust him. He sees her pain and he acts, asking where Lazarus is buried and going to the tomb. And there Jesus, like Ezekiel, encounters, encounters a situation where it seems that all possibility of hope is gone. Um, Interestingly, um, the text of the, the, the non-paraphrased text in the, um, in the translations I was looking at as I, um, as I was preparing this um, tells us twice that Jesus is weeping. Um, that detail actually didn't make the cut in the paraphrase, which is a whole other topic, um, why that wouldn't have been mentioned. Um, but it is, I cannot begin to express how grateful I am that that detail is included in the, in the biblical text. That Jesus wept. The text tells us that Jesus believes in his own power to raise the dead to life. And soon after, toward the end of the story, we see that Jesus does raise Lazarus from death. But in the moment, as he approached the tomb, Jesus weeps. His tears don't reflect hopelessness or a lack of faith that God could create a happy ending for the story. Yet Jesus weeps for Lazarus, who suffered, and suffered illness and died, believing that he would be healed if Jesus could just get there. For Martha, who continued to believe that Jesus could save her brother from death. For Mary, who confronted him with her deep pain that Jesus was not there when they needed him. Jesus knew that Lazarus would soon live again, yet in the moment, Jesus was present with his, with his friends in their mourning, weeping with them as they wept for the one that they all loved. I think our faith does call us to believe in the possibility of happy endings, in the dream of a world without violence and injustice and suffering, and that those who have died will be raised to enjoy God's world as it's supposed to be. Yet believing in happy endings does not require that we deny the pain and struggle that we currently face as we face it. And in the face of dry bones and sealed tombs, I don't think God is offended or even surprised that we have our doubts. After Ezekiel sees the dry bones raised to life, the Lord commands him to bring this message to the people of Israel. God says, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, 
and I will place you on your own soil. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. I think this message suggests that God sees the reality of the situation, that for people to believe, after all this time, that the Lord is still on their side, it would require radical, miraculous action, no less than the dead being raised from their graves and the people being made alive by God's spirit. And God doesn't rebuke them for their lack of faith that God will act to save them. God simply says, I get that it will take the dead being raised for you to believe me, but you just wait, because that's exactly what I'll do. The endings of each of these stories reflects the promise that somehow, somewhere, eventually, God will set everything right. But these stories don't hide the reality that the happy endings come after a great deal of pain, after time when it appears that all possibility of hope is lost. Happy endings can still come after we've seen those who we love get sick, suffering, and even dying, despite our hopes and prayers for their healing. Happy endings can still come after we've seen people suffer and die at the hands of systems that oppress them, generation after generation, with few signs of hope that anything might change. The life of Jesus tells us that God is with us as we mourn, that even Jesus' surety that the happy ending was coming did not stop him from weeping with his beloved friends. Even if our faith in God faith that God will come through to save us is even if our faith that God will come through to save us is unwavering we can't skip to the end of the story we must experience it all the pain the injustice the powerlessness of watching our beloved ones suffer the mourning of everyone and everything that we've lost the gospel of Jesus promise, promises that the dead will be raised to new life but the life of Jesus also tells us that through everything we might suffer in the meantime, we do not walk alone and we do not weep alone. And that too is good news. We begin our responding time by singing the hymn that's on the back of your bulletin, 584, They That Wait Upon the Lord. And we'll sing this through twice. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. Dear God, we begin with praise for the gift of life, for the gift of our life together, for the gift of life in your world, and for the gift of life in your church. 
God, we're thankful for so many things. God, call us by name so that we know. Call us to you so that we live. Call us into the world so that we care. Call us to risk so that we trust beyond ourselves. You speak, we listen, and comes life abundant beyond all that we ask or think. Amen. I invite you to join in singing our next hymn, which is in uh, Voices Together, 834. And if you are able, you are invited to stand to sing. To Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina, Soma, send me, Lord, send me, Jesus, send me, Jesus, send me, Jesus, send me, lead me. Jesus, lead me, Jesus, lead me, Jesus, lead me, fill me, Lord, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Thank you. Everyone can have a seat because we're still going to do announcements. Thanks for everyone who participated in today's service. Steve, Amy, Connie, Matthew, our readers, our greeter, Greg. Um, appreciate it all. Small but mighty is, we, is what we are this week. I think we've got a lot of travelers and sick people. So, all right. Go in peace. See you over Cheesecake. God of unrelenting love, rescue
breath of God, now breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, oh breath of God, now breathe.